Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. True freedom is basically my title. It's as simple as that. True freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, this is from the message translation of the Bible, will be our opening text. And we'll refer to it here in just a moment as well. Christ has set us free to live a life, a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Amen. Amen. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Can you imagine 247 years ago on July the 4th, 1776, a document was signed called our, independence, our Declaration of Independence, proclaiming our freedom nationally, individually, from foreign tyranny and oppression. Can you imagine that? 247 years ago, that's what took place. And in order for that to be achieved, it took individuals to sacrifice. Many sacrificed their lives to obtain that and to achieve that. And also, many continue to sacrifice their lives to preserve it. Uh, I recently asked some individuals, a little bit younger than I am, <laughs> and I said, who said, give me liberty or give me death? And they looked at me like an old cow at a new gate. Um, and then I said, well, who's Patrick Henry? And did a double take on that old cow at a new gate. <laughs> so I thought, is this younger generation not being taught our history? It's really, they say it's only second to the Gettysburg Address, Patrick Henry's address to the Second Continental uh, of Virginia that gathered together. Well... I decided to do this. Haven't done it before in a long, well, I don't know if I've ever done it before, but I have a video to show us. It's a few minutes. Let's watch this. Because I want you to see the passion and not just know the history, but this dramatization basically gives us the passion of someone who said, I'm going to fight for freedom. I'm not going to succumb to slavery. I'm fighting to be free. And you'll see how it applies to us today. Let's watch this. Gentlemen, there is no longer any ground for hope. If we wish to be free, if we wish to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges which belong to us as free men. Aye. Aye. If we mean not basely to abandon the, the noble struggle 
in which we have been so long engaged, in which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our struggle be obtained, then we must fight. I repeat it, sir. We must fight. are weak, unable to cope with so powerful an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemy hath bound us hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means the God of nature hath placed in our power. Three millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country that which we possess are invincible by any force our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. <laughs> Besides, sirs, we have no election. Should we be base enough to desire it, it is now already too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged, their clanking may be heard upon the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable, and let it come. I repeat it, sir, let it come! The war is actually begun. The next gale that blows from the north shall bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that they wish? What would they have? His life so dear, or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God!
I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Amen. That adds a little bit to it, wouldn't you say? When you see the passion that he had. And you can look up his, about his life and you'll find out that he was a Christian a believer that really wished he would have known Christ earlier in his life. But he was a believer and appealed to God, the God of heaven. So... Um, Thank God that we enjoy the liberty that we do, but it took men of passion. Others could have just sat back and just said, we just want peace. Just let's, let's be slaves, but we'll have peace at least. Is that really peace? Being enslaved by a foreign tyranny and being oppressed by others. Mm -mm. We live in the land of the free, the home of the brave, because of men like Patrick Henry that said, no, we've got to take our stand. Well, I want you to know something else. That was 247 years ago, but 2,000 years ago, someone else signed a document, sealed it, not with ink, but in blood. And the proclamation was, who the sun sets free, free is free indeed. True freedom is not just national, individual, but true freedom is spiritual. In Christ. As believers, we have freedom from the tyranny of the devil himself and of the law of sin and death. And that hasn't been emphasized enough. But like you heard, we too as believers need to take a stand and fight the good fight of faith so that what belongs to us belongs to us and that we enforce what belongs to us. Matter of fact, look here in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Joseph Smith, founder of Mormonism. Uh, let me read that again. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Or is it Charles Taze Russell, founder of Jehovah's Witnesses? Or is it Sun Young Moon, founder of the U the Unitarian Church. <laughs> Couldn't spit it out. The Unitarian Church, whose followers call him their Moonies. Okay? There is no condemnation to those which are in Hare Krishna, associate of Hinduism. There is no condemnation unto those who are in Buddha, founder of Buddhism, or Confucius, or Confucianism. I'm going to get it right here in just a moment. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Glory to God. I'm not mocking anybody's religion. 
I'm giving the truth. There's only one truth. It is the truth. It's the only reality. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because only Jesus can liberate somebody from the law of sin and death and the tyranny of a devil, demon, and all of his powers. And what's his name? Jesus. And whose blood sealed it? Jesus. Amen. Amen. He fought for it. But think about it. This one, he fought alone. There was no one else that was going to fight with him for us. He made a decision to leave the glory world behind. He came on the scene rubbing himself in flesh and identified himself as being the last or the second Adam. And as the second Adam, he came to undo what the first Adam did. But the process involved the laying down and the sacrifice of his life. And he laid down his life for every single one of us so that we could be truly free indeed. Free from the tyranny of Satan. Free from the oppression of the devil. Free from the law of sin and death. Free. Praise God indeed. In Romans chapter 5, look at what it says. This is all about two men. Wherefore is by one man. What's his name? Sin, Adam is his name. Sin entered into the world by one man, Adam. And death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So who got us in the predicament that we're in? Adam did. Who created the world that we're living in right now? Adam did. Who brought chaos into the world system that we live in right now? Adam did. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one man many be dead, and that's Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is, by, is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. Therefore, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Hallelujah. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Hallelujah. I'm not Adam. I didn't do what Adam did in the very beginning, but I was a byproduct of what he did. And so were all of you, and so are all of us, everybody in the world. But guess what? I had nothing to do with the second Adam, nothing to do with what he did. But praise God, because of his obedience, he overcomes the disobedience of the first Adam. And he beckons every single one of us to come. Come and receive true freedom. It has nothing to do with what you did or what I did, but the freedom that we have, which is spiritually free from the tyranny of Satan and also the law of sin and death, comes by one man. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't live right, but it's not based on what we do or have done. 
It's based on what one man did, has done. His name is Jesus. He's the second Adam. His obedience satisfied the claims of justice held against all mankind. We had a noose around our neck, but he released it. We had a yoke about us, but he released it. And he offers us what? The freedom to come to him and yoke up together with him. And if we identify with him, we identify with the victory that he had over death, hell, and the grave. And sin has no dominion over any of us at all. See, the first Adam enslaved us, but the second Adam liberated us. And thank God, because of him, we are free indeed. Look at that verse again in Galatians chapter 5. Adam, in seeking his freedom, he lost what true freedom is all about. Freedom to serve the living God. But thanks be to God, Jesus came and he made it possible for all of us to experience true freedom in him. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone or anything put a harness of slavery around your neck or on you. Don't let it happen. What kind of language is that? He was telling the, those Judaizers, the people that listened to the Judaizers, look, they want, they want to put this yoke of the law's bondage on you once again. Are you mad? What are you thinking? Christ sets you free. It's time to rise up like we heard. Take a stand. Not sit back and just say, well, it's okay. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, what I'm doing. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. No, it's time to rise up, take a stand and say, I've been liberated from that. I've been delivered from that. I've been set free from that. That has no power over me. The one who set me free is Jesus, not me, but Jesus. In the power of his name, I declare and proclaim my freedom, praise God. So in other words, we can be slave to a lot of things, even though we've been born again, washed in the blood, because the law of sin and death is still in operation in the earth. Let me give you an example. It's like the law of thrust and lift as opposed to the law of sin, of, uh, Gravity. Gravity is still working in the earth, isn't it? Absolutely. But you can get on an airplane, and when you rise up in the air because of the law of what? Thrust and lift. Even though the law of gravity is still in operation, you're above it. You're rising above it. It's not controlling you any longer. It may be used in this law of thrust and lift, but it's still here on this earth, but still it's a higher law that takes you to a higher place. In Christ Jesus, you and I have been lifted up to a higher place. This law of sin and death has no right to shackle us, hold us in bondage, and dictate to our lives. Whether it's fear, we've been delivered from the spirit of fear. We've got power. We've got love. We've got a sound mind. We've got the name of Jesus. We've got the love of God that casts out all fear. And we've got a sound, well-disciplined mind that says, no, I'm not going to allow those thoughts to come into the process of my thinking. I've been set free. So when the devil tries to hold us captive by saying, you know your shortcomings, you know your faults, you know your failures, it's time to say, I'm not listening to any of it. It's not about me. It's not about what I've done. It's about him and about what he's done. He has set me free, and the truth is, if he set me free, I am free indeed. Amen. So fear, get lost. When it comes to guilt, people are bound by guilt. Why? Because, once again, we know our faults, our shortcomings, our failures, and all that, and the devil will try to use it to put a yoke of slavery around our necks so we're bound by guilt. If you try to live a perfect life in the flesh, you will fail. 
Aren't you glad he made provision for us when we do miss the mark and when we do sin? You know that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 tells us that we are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, how? In the fear of God. See, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and presents us holy without spot, blemish, or blame before the presence of God's glory with exceeding joy. And it also enables us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. And so, by the blood of the Lamb, we can declare and proclaim that we are free from guilt. Guilt is not going to shackle me, hold me in bondage, keep me under its oppressive hand or thumb. I'm rising up above it in Jesus' precious name. It could be worry. It could be bad habits. It could be addictions. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be pornography. I mean, the list goes on. The endless things that the devil will try to use against every person in this place. To do what? Control them. To do what? Oppress them. To do what? Exercise dominion over them. And if we just sit back and let them do it, he'll do it. But you know what? It's time for people within the body of Christ, all of us, to rise up to a higher plane and place and start recognizing the finished work of Christ. All these individuals you saw up here were willing to lay down their lives for the freedoms we enjoy nationally and individually in this great nation that we live in. Christ laid down his life for every single one of us. He died the death. He's the only one that could come back to life and let us know that he was victorious. Not one person that sacrificed his life in this country has ever come back from the dead to let us know that we're free. But Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive and well. And he's telling us, I made you free. Don't bow in submission to fear, worry, anxiety, alcohol, nicotine, drug addiction, pornography. Don't bow in submission to anything that the enemy can throw your way. Because you see, I died for it all. Take a stand, rise up, proclaim it, declare it. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. I am free and you are free. The war was fought. And I can't even begin to imagine the nature of that war. We know of natural wars. Go back to the War of 1812. Go back to the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. Go back to all these different wars. You know, the Vietnam War, Korean War, etc. The Gulf Coast War, etc., etc., etc. We can't even begin to imagine what kind of a war took place when Jesus said, it's time to roll up my sleeves. I'm going into the strong man's house. And when I come out, I'm bringing everything he took with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm giving it to all those that will call upon my name. Oh, glory to God. We don't have to be bound by anything or anyone because the Son of God has set us free. Look in the book of Hebrews. You talk about a war. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. This is the New Living Translation. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. 
He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. What a, what a title. So that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Oh, hallelujah. He fought the fight. The war is over. He defeated the devil, and the devil knows it. But the devil doesn't want us to know it. He'll try to hide it from us and make us think we have to cave in under the pressure. We have to give in to this and give in to that. But no, Jesus said, uh-uh. Look at me. Don't look at your weakness. Look at me. Don't look at the temptation. Look at me. Don't look at what the world's throwing your way. Don't look at the suggestive thoughts that are coming your way. Look to me. I have raised you up. I have cleansed you from all sin. I have given you a place in the Father's kingdom. I call you my brother. I call you my sister. I call you out of darkness into the light of my kingdom. And I'm giving you the power that you need to rise up above all the temptation. I was tempted so I could enable you to be free and victorious over anything that comes your way. So who the Son sets free is free indeed. So walk in the liberty where Christ has set us free. Look in the book of uh, Isaiah. What holds people in bondage? It's right here. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men are famished, and their multitudes ride up with thirst. Why are they gone into captivity? Why are they uh, hooked up or yoked up to bondage? Because they have no knowledge. Well, what knowledge? What's the knowledge that they need? What's the knowledge that we need? See, if you're trying to get free on your own, you're following the wrong path. You're not going to get free on your own, especially when it comes to open doors and allowing satanic forces in. You're not going to get free on your own. John's gospel gives us some insight. Jesus is speaking. Listen to what it says. Chapter 8. And he spake these words... And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What frees us? Why were they held in captivity? Because they didn't know. They had no knowledge. Lack of knowledge causes people to perish. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? My goodness, how short their memory is. They were in bondage in Egypt, were they not? Absolutely they were. And they were brought out. They were in, in bondage in Babylon, were they not? Aren't they under the Roman rule as they state those words right there? Absolutely. So what are they saying? What are they thinking? And what does Jesus say? He answers and says, Verily, verily, the double verily means this is of utmost importance, I say unto you. Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you are free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
we are no longer the servant of sin. God wants us to see ourselves as people that have been free, delivered, and right now we're not shackled by sin. Sin has no dominion over us. Sin cannot control us. Temptation is not stronger than the life of God that's on the inside of us. What is truth? Thy word is truth. It's the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. The Galatians, they were like the Israelites that wanted to go back into Egypt. You remember how they came out of Egypt? And when they came out and went through the wilderness, remember how they said, oh, the fish, we missed the fish. And oh, we missed the leeks. Oh, my goodness, the leeks. And we missed the cucumbers. And we missed the melons. And the onions. And the garlic. And the list went on and on and on. What they wanted was to go back to Egypt. Because you see, that's all they knew. And they felt they would have peace, even in slavery. That's what they thought they wanted. Well, the Galatians allowed heresy to come in and make them think that these teachers were telling them, you need to add something to what Jesus did. You've got to add the law. You have to do this. You have to do that. And you know what he said to them? You people are bewitched. You're foolish. What are you trying to do? What are you allowing them to do? There's nothing more you can do. You can't add to what Jesus did. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. He has set us free. He alone has set us free. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him and what he has done. It's up to us to take a stand and declare it, proclaim it, believe it, say it, walk in the light of it. I will no longer be under the dominion of anything except the Lord my God. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, how upset the apostle Paul was. They were deceived into thinking they had to add something to what Jesus did. Oh, foolish Galatians, that's being polite. Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? You don't need to add anything to what Jesus did. Jesus did it all. He bought and paid our ransom. He freed us from the slavery of sin and death. He freed us from the tyranny and oppression of Satan and his kingdom. That oppression is something that comes from without. Depression is more inside, internal. But oppression is from without. And what Patrick Henry was saying this, you think you're in peace because you sit here, but right outside your door, you've got a British soldier standing there telling you where to go, telling you what to do, how to act, etc., etc. Sounds like the Antichrist, doesn't it? You can't buy without him. You can't sell without him. You can't do this without him. You can't do that without him. You've got to have the mark of the beast so you can be a puppet on a string. He's saying to them, is that what you want? Patrick Henry says, give me liberty or give me death. I'm willing to fight for the freedom that is mine. That was national and that was individual. But beloved, this is spiritual. That was temporary. This is eternal. And as we live our lives here upon this earth, we can be yoked up together with the powers of darkness. We can be yoked up with the power of fear, worry, anxiety, fret, etc., 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 addicted to this, addicted to that, or whatever. But praise God, as a believer, we have a right to declare, I've been set free. I know I've been set free. The freedom that I have is in Jesus. It's not based on my performance. It's based on what he's done, his performance. And therefore, I'm making my proclamation. I'm declaring it in Christ. There is freedom. 
There's freedom from the punishment of sin. Thank God we'll not be punished for sin. Are you glad for that? It's a good time to shout. In Christ, we've been free from eternal death and destruction in the lake of fire and damnation. Aren't you glad for that? In Christ, we've been free from our past. Don't sit out there and think that, you know, the devil's just taking my past, bringing it up before me. You've been free from the past. Yesterday's gone. Today's a brand new day. Aren't you glad the mercies of God were awakened when you got up this morning? Thank God for the victory you have today. Yesterday's past. The victory's ours today. He made provision for it with his blood. About this, we've been also free from fear of the future. Our future is bright. Our future is great. Can you say amen? amen. We're going to walk on streets of gold. There's a heavenly mansion mortgage-free waiting for every single one of us. You better shout on that one. There's no interest rate whatsoever. Hallelujah. He set us free from all that. You know, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive it to myself that where I am, you may be also. God's always prepared. He's prepared for your arrival. Can you imagine that? Can't wait to see what my dwelling place forever is going to be. What about you? A wonderful heavenly mansion prepared for every single one of us. And he's coming back to get us. And if you know the story or the practice of a Jewish marriage ceremony, when the bride or the fiance, they were bride and bridegroom, but they were a spouse at that time, which they were actually technically married, but they, the ceremony didn't take place. And so she would be at her house, and he would be adding on to his father's house to make provisions for the day that when he goes and gets her and brings her back, there'd be a place for them. But here's the catch. He wouldn't see her for that whole entire year. But there she is. And as time went on, she realized it's got to end up sometime in between when he proposed and, and uh, that year. So as time goes on, she finally gets all her bridesmaids with her. They spend time together and they get dressed for the occasion because he can come any night. He can come whenever. She wouldn't know the time, the date or the hour, but he's at father's house. And what's he doing? Preparing the bridal suite for them. And then when the time comes, he gets his entourage and he marches toward her house. Could be the middle of the night and the sound of the shofar echoes throughout the place and she knows it's time. He takes his bride back to where? Father's house where they consummate the wedding ceremony. Jesus said, you are my bride. I'm leaving. I'm going to Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So where I'm at, you can be also. And there's going to be a wedding ceremony that's going to take place. There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why those that don't believe in pre-trib do you believe in marriage? You believe in the marriage ceremony? You believe in uh, that seven-year period? We're going to be there celebrating and rejoicing with the bridegroom, Jesus. 
So look at it this way. He's gone to prepare a place for you, right, and for me. And so we're supposed to live ready, just like that bride's supposed to live ready. He can come tonight, my knight in shining armor. He might be coming to get me tonight. We need to stay ready. Let's be prepared. We should be doing that ourselves. Remember what the grace of God teaches us? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live sober, righteous, and holy in this present age, looking for the appearing of our Lord. Amen. He set us free so we could be with him, and he's prepared a place for us. He set us free from the powers of darkness. Satan has no dominion over us. He took us out of the realm of darkness and planted us into his kingdom. And thank God, he's uprooted us completely. He set us free from the dominion of the law of sin and death. And thank God that law has no power over our lives. And guess what? It's really, if, it's, should Jesus tarry his coming? But we know it's going to happen in people's lives that have already gone on before us. The grave is not going to hold him down. Physical death is not going to interfere with what Jesus did. He delivered each and every one who has already gone on in him from eternal separation from God, not just spirit and soul, but physically as well. That body is going to come out of that grave. See, when the bridegroom comes and sounds with his entourage and he sounds in the, in the air, the shofar, the graves are going to open. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And we that are alive and remain will be caught up and we're going to meet them in the air. Death itself cannot hold us in captivity or bondage. Thank God he set us free from all that. And thank God he has a place provided for us. But on the other side of the coin, we're not free to sin. We're not free to live as we want to live our own lives in sin. You know, freedom from sin doesn't mean freed to sin. We've been free from sin so that we can live for him. We're not free from responsibility and accountability. There are certain things that we need to do. We're not free from keeping the laws of God and the commandments of God and doing things God's way. Thank God this idea, this uh, people that believe in, you know, my sins are forgiven, past, present, future, doesn't matter how I live. Don't go down that path. You serve a holy God. You serve a righteous God. You serve a God who hates evil, hates evil abhors that which is evil and tells us to abhor it and cleave to what is good. Someone who, God, who really has godly reverential fear, who really fears God, says, I hate what God hates and I love what God loves. That's why I'm going to continue to e emphasize this in our services. For the time that we're together, for an hour and a half in the church service, I believe that God wants our continued undivided attention. You can have a donut and coffee in the back building. And you can fellowship in the back building. But we should train ourselves when we walk into the sanctuary, what should we be doing? Our eyes are on you. You have our undivided attention. 
I'm giving you all that I have in my offering of praise and worship to you. Praise God, I'll fellowship with my brothers and sisters when I get outside the church doors. But right now, I'm not concerned about eating a donut or drinking a cup of coffee. I'm concerned about drinking from the fountain of life. I'm, t I'm concerned about honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords and offer to him a sacrifice of praise that's well-pleasing for this short time that we're together as the body of Christ. Can you see that? It was Catherine Kuhlman that, that I, I, I quoted last Wednesday uh, stating that when she went from place to place and she itinerated, you know, how she went to Stambaugh Auditorium in Youngstown up here in Pittsburgh. I don't know where it was at in Pittsburgh where she held her meetings. But you know what? Where was it? Soldiers and Sailors Auditorium. And she held those meetings up there. Her comment was this. God moves where he's reverenced. And she would come out on a platform, and yes, she had that long finger, and she would, with a flowing dress, did you come out to see me? You're waiting for me. But she also came out in tears and said, don't in any way be a reverence in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Please don't grieve the Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with tears in her eyes. Because she knew that's where God moves. Where we recognize that we create a habitation for a holy God. And we reverence his presence. He knows we view him as being holy. And we respect him. And we honor him. And if there was any usher whose shoes were not polished, he would be warned. If there was another one whose hair was disheveled, he would be warned. You come with your hair combed, and you come with your shoes shined. If not, you will be replaced. Now, you can say, well, that's kind of extreme. Kind of extreme. You know what? I hear what I see what happens. Sometimes it's difficult to navigate the straight and narrow. You got extreme on this side, and then here it doesn't matter what you look like, how you look. But I always ask this question to people. If it's to be done in heaven, on earth as, as it is in heaven, how do you think worship in heaven is being done? Well, we saw in uh, Isaiah when he was in the presence of the Lord, how he bowed before the very throne of God, crying out, holy, holy, holy. Right? We saw that. In Revelation chapter 5, we read about that and how, oh my goodness, they bow down before the King of glory and worship him by saying, you are worthy to take a book and loose the seals thereof. We see that. They take off their crowns and they cast them down at his feet. So on one end, we could say we're too extreme if we want to maybe look nice. On the other end, you know, where God loves us and, you know, he accepts us, as, and that's true. But I've always said it this way. No matter where you're at in life and what you have, wear your best. Wear your best pair of jeans. Wear your best shirt. And just say, I'm going into the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's just be on the straight and narrow. And just say, we're not putting people into bondage, but we do want to make it very uh, known that this is a gathering of people that honor the King of glory. We're here to honor you and to reverence you. Look at these verses in Matthew 11. I'll close right here. Look at these verses. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Easy and light. But now look at this from the message translation of the Bible. Listen carefully. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hallelujah. Do you like that? What's he inviting us to do? To walk with him. Let's take a walk with our king. Amen.